Father, we thank you today for your word. We thank you that it encourages us and it challenges us. It leads us and it guides us. And Father God, what we need in our lives is not the opinions of others and what others think, Father God. We need your word, Father God. We need your word because it changes us and challenges us, Father, and it teaches us and it's still relevant today. And Father, as we read this, we just pray this morning that you will say something to each and every one of us, Father God. You will equip us uh, by the power of your word, Father God. We just say thank you for it this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. We are continuing on with our broken series. We're changing uh, track just a little bit. Uh, we've looked at a few personal things where broken is concerned. But, uh, last Sunday, uh, Tim Bailey uh, broken through suffering. And then uh, Sunday night, we looked at the, the, the mental health matters. And so uh, the, this, this today, we're, we're changing direction. And as part of our broken series, we're taking a look really at what happens when together breaks. And he says, you know, God never created each and every one of us to live uh, without relationship or fellowship or community. He says, from the beginning of creation, we have heard of the family, the tribe, the nation, the church, the army, the body. Uh, none of them are about the individual. None of them are about the person on their own. Uh, but when you bring people together, uh, sometimes those relationships sometimes break, don't they? When there are big families or big groups of people together and you bring them together, sometimes things happen and these relationships break. And so, you know, the idea that the Christian life is just really a personal relationship between God and you and that's all that matters and all you need is only partially true. He says, you know, you, you, we need each other. I've often said through the years that you don't need the church to become a Christian, but you do need the church to be a Christian. I do believe that wherever you get saved, inside the church or outside of the church, the first thing you must do is plant yourself into a church because it's there that you get the encouragement and the fellowship and the teaching. But, but more importantly, not just that, 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 that belonging to a family, uh, being part of something. Uh, and so that's why this morning we are going to look at this. And these are really not, uh, the, the, what I've just said, it's not really my thoughts. I think if you read the New Testament and, and, and what Jesus did, and after Jesus sort of went to heaven and the Spirit came at Pentecost and, and the, the stuff that happened there, they established themselves in, in groups. Most of Paul's letters are written to groups of people in a particular place. Uh, to Ephesus, to Rome, to Corinth, to Galatia, to, to, to those different places because he knew where there were groups of people together that they needed some training, some teaching in, in how to live together, uh, how to worship together. Uh, and so we're not just designed for solitude, loneliness and individuality. It says, that being said, there are times when those relationships within the community of church break down and this morning we will be taking a look at what happens when together breaks. Our church is in a great season at the moment. It says, I think it's been in a great season last week on, uh, I think you call it time hop. The young ones will keep me right. Is that right? Yeah. Where it tells you what the day was like uh, 
two, three years ago. So, and something came up about the Heaven's Gate, Hell's Flames that we did back in 2017. And uh, we'd had a night where we'd actually uh, stop people coming to church. I know that sounds strange, but we were full. We were absolutely bonged in here, everywhere. And so we, so I remember writing a quote that uh, below it, just saying, we're in a great season at the moment uh, of unity. And I think that season, we're still there in that season of unity. But we have a responsibility, each and every one of us, that we have to maintain that spirit of unity and keep that spirit of unity. And so this morning we will look at what happens when together breaks. You know, God blesses our behaviour. He says in Psalm 133 verse 1, he says, where people dwell in unity, the Lord commands a blessing. It's quite clear there that the responsibility of us is to dwell in unity. When we dwell in unity, God commands a blessing. But my thoughts really uh, are from three uh, passages of uh, the three passages of Scripture, and the first one is Ecclesiastes four and verse nine to twelve. It says this: It says two are better than one because they have a good return for their labour. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. Also, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily Broken. If you've ever read the book of Ecclesiastes, it says the writer's writing there and he's looking at life and he's passing judgment on life. He's looking at life and saying, this is what life is about. We read Ecclesiastes 3 and he tells us that there is a time for everything and lists all the things that go through. And he moves on to this chapter and he asks some questions, uh, important questions. But well, why are we here? You know, what are we doing? Uh, what, what's important? And he asked those same questions that people would probably ask today. It, it gets quite dark as he writes because he believes things are so bad that he actually thinks it would be better if we hadn't been born. Uh, and so he goes on to these verses here that we've got in front of us that suddenly he begins to talk about working uh, together. That not, it's not about our own and what we achieve ourselves but speaks of the benefits of uh, companionship. And so we're there and we, we see in verse 9, he says this, he says, two are better than one. A lot of times this passage is spoken of uh, at weddings when somebody gets married and, uh, you know, the, they speak this, this passage over them, that, you know, because the idea of two coming together and then God. But I'm looking at the idea this morning of, of unity within the church and how we keep that unity uh, together. And he says this most important thing to start with because he says two are better than one. He says together accomplishes more. And that really probably sums up where we are as a church at the moment. It says together accomplishes more. Everybody discovering their gifts, their position, their function, whatever it is you want to call it, accomplishes more. We are not making what we're doing about one person or two people. It says we are making this about uh, everybody and everybody bringing their particular gifts and talents and abilities uh, to the church and together we accomplish more. Uh, So it speaks of a joint investment then often a joint investment has a better foundation, a better chance of success. If simply two 
are involved. When you build church, you can't build church around one person and with one person. You've got to find as many people as you can. When Jesus began his ministry, the first thing he did was he went out and he got surrounded himself with a team called the disciples who he took with him uh, for three years and he tried to teach them what they needed to do because he knew he wasn't going to be here after he had ascended to heaven. So if Jesus Christ does that as our saviour and the head of the church, then we have to look at that as well as the head of the church and say, so actually what we're doing, we have to make sure we do together because it accomplishes more. You see, when one succeeds, they both succeed. But when one fails, he has a partner to help him up. The second thing we see is this, is if one falls, uh, sorry, the other helps him up. And, and this speaks of complementing each other. Uh, the example this morning is, I could not build a website for the church. I could just about type on a computer. But because a church needs a website, then we find somebody who can build us a church website and then we can do what we're doing this morning. That speaks of church. It speaks of finding people of particular gifting and everybody together complements each other. There is a place for everybody in this church. It says the thing that will make me more cross than anything is when people get the impression or the feeling or it comes back to them that some people are accepted here and some people are not accepted here. Everybody is accepted here. It says the church we are building is one where people can come with whatever baggage they've got, whatever history they've got, whatever failures, weaknesses and mistakes and I keep harping on about this because I want us to grab it. And so then when they're here, nobody has the right to tell them that don't belong here. Everybody has the right to be here. We all have the right to find a place to belong to and we found this place here. And so everybody complements each other. Everybody comes and we bring what we do and we complement each other. And, and so it brings us on to the next one that says that they will keep warm. Now he's talking here with the travellers travelling through the cold nights of Palestine. Uh, if you're not married in here, you can switch off for the next 30 seconds. But those of us who are married will know on those cold winter nights when the wife gets into bed and suddenly sticks her cold feet on you, it says that's the idea of share your heat and share your warmth. You know what I'm talking about. The single and married people, you can switch back on now. It says they will keep warm. Why? Because together supplies support and warmth for each other. And he says, that's what we're doing here. When we, when we said what we said last Sunday night, we wanted to say to people, it's not the responsibility of two or three people that stand up here, that provide all the support for the people in the church. We support each other. We're, we provide the warmth and the encouragement for each other. So those conversations that happen before church and after church and through WhatsApp groups and through the week and through coffees and through everything else, this is what they're doing. And all of this is building unity. And I'm coming to my point in a second about unity so we understand that. And finally, the verse 12, it says, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. And he uses this illustration of, of a rope, basically. The rope that is uh, three-stranded, the cords together, wrapped over. They could take the weight, the burden of whatever it is it has to carry. 
and, and he uses this as an example. He says, he says, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Why? Because together strengthens each other. There is a picture of unity. That's a picture of what I believe God is doing and wants to do more of in our church. That together we accomplish more, together we complement each other, together we support each other, and together we strengthen each other. The church and the work that we do are called to do is never a one-man show. But often at times things happen and often the time to speak about this is mornings like this morning because it helps us then. Because if we are the maintainer of unity and responsible for the unity, then we have to be on our guard about certain things. We have to be on our guard about the things that we say, myself included. We have to be on our guard about the things that we do. Is it a bad influence over other people that are watching? And we have to be on our guard about the things that we teach as well and say to other people because all of those things maintain and keep the unity. We're sometimes asking God for answers to prayers that he just simply expects us to do. He's simply saying to us, we maintain the unity. We keep the unity. You know how I keep the unity? There are times that I want to say something. And believe me, there are times I want to say something. There are times you want to say something. But we count to 10. And then if that doesn't work, count to 20. But often at times what we have to do to maintain and keep the unity, I have to be in control and guard this. I have to guard what I do because I don't want to be a bad influence over other people, maybe who are newer Christians, who suddenly think, but look at them, they can do that, therefore I can do that. And says that is not maintaining the unity, that is breaking the unity. So each and every one of us has this responsibility. Even the things that we say to each other sometimes, even the spiritual stuff that we say to some people sometimes, we have to be on our guard about that. We have to be careful that we know we have heard from God and we're presenting to somebody something that we have heard from God and we're asking them to test what, they, what we have heard from God. Not just for them to come, well, I accept that and I take that. We have to guard against these things because these things will break the unity within our church. And what happens when that happens is this. Where there is disunity and discord in the church, it cannot carry out its mission for its time, energy and resources are redirected to dealing with the disunity. Disunity leads to being ineffective. If we want to be ineffective as a church, let's just fall out with each other. Simply that's all we've got to do. Let's just fall out with each other. Find somebody you don't like, start an argument with them. It says that will create the disunity and that will tend to take the focus of the mission that we have as believers, which is to do something, for God to do something in this church and to use us as part of that. We don't want to divert. We don't want to divert anything towards dealing with disunity. We don't want to do any of that. We want to be part of what God is doing. We, we want to make sure that we're not responsible for anything that happens that breaks the unity within the church. And so we continue to maintain and keep the unity. This is so true and I want us to take hold of this. The church does not move forward in gifting, 
relevance of anointing, the church moves forward in unity. It says all of those things, say you can have all the gifting in the world, but if you don't love the person sitting next to you, that gifting will not make any difference. We can be the most relevant church in the world uh, and turn around and say, we do this, we do that. So, But if we don't love the person and we're not united to the person sitting across from us, I says that will not make any difference. I said, we can have the anointing. And, and there are churches that move in the anointing. And yet in the pulpits, they're killing each other. And he says, we don't want any of that. The church is going to move forward. I would rather it move forward in unity than anything else. That, that we are together, together. You know, I, if you watched the rugby yesterday, uh, I know lots of people don't like the rugby, but I like the rugby because England won. Uh, they beat Scotland and, and Ireland won as well, if you follow that. But what I watch with rugby, and what I love about rugby, it is such a team sport. It says there is no time for people who are individuals. There are talented players and stuff, but when you watch rugby, there are 15 people on the, the rugby pitch, on the team, and everything they do, they do together. If there is any disunity on the team, they will be beaten by the opposition. Rugby is quite possibly the most team sport that there is because each of the 15 holds a different position, a different responsibility, a different thing that they have to do for that 80 minutes on a Saturday afternoon. And it says whether they're playing in a scrum, whether they're doing the, the, the wingers, whether they're the, the big fat fellas in the forward line who knock everybody out, who comes through, he says that day everybody has a job to do. The church is the same. Not that I'm calling any of us big fat fellows, but you know what I mean, don't you? He says, but we each have a part to play. So when the moment comes, we're each doing our bit. And you see, the winger, I mean, I played rugby at school. They never picked me for the winger, ever. But you know why? Because it was slow. And if you're going to be a winger, you've got to be fast. He says, I always got picked for the pack. And whenever it was the scrum, I was always the one in the scrum. Why? Because I'm a little bit bigger than so many other people. And also, before I was a Christian, I used to like to smack it. No, I didn't, but anyway. <laughs> before I was saved. So it doesn't count. He says, why? Because everybody had the part to play. It was all depending on the size and the skill and stuff. And church operates much the same to keep the unity that we have. And that last quote is so important for us as a church. When we're looking for things to do, we're measuring it by, well, how united are we? And where was our unity? And our unity is so strong at the moment as a church. But we've got to make sure that we're maintaining that and keeping it. You see, the threefold cord that is not easily broken is a picture of why you and me can belong to the same family, attend the same church, be part of the same body, worship in the same house together because the threefold in me it is me, you and God. And when anything breaks in that relationship, it says that God is the gel, the glue that fixes it all together. I mean, often, just, just, for, what, just for a moment, just take a moment, just while I get a sip of water, just to turn around and look at the people in the church that are sitting around you. I'll let you do that quickly. Just take a look. Go on. Don't say anything. 
most of you, if not all of you, would have nothing in common with the people sitting next to you around you unless this church existed and you had made a profession of faith in Jesus Christ and you've become attached to a church and fellow believers. It's the only thing that we've got in common. But it's the most important thing. That's the threefold. It's you and it's me and it's God. And everything here this morning connects it. It's why this morning we can come and we can worship together. It's why we come and we can break bread together. It's why we come and we can come around the word together. It's why we'll gather later on together. It's that which connects us. You know why it said that a rope, it didn't say a rope of two strands? See, a rope of two strands is easily unraveled. Everything would come apart and fall apart. So we don't want a rope of two strands, which is just you and me. We want a rope of three strands, which is you, me and God. Because God is keeping all of this together. But he gives me and you a responsibility. He says, make sure it doesn't break. Well, how do I make sure it doesn't break? Well, maintain the unity. Keep the unity with one another. Guard what you say. Guard what you teach. Guard what you do. And we see Paul writes these words, and I just jump over to a New Testament example. It says, Paul writes these words to the church at Colossae in chapter 3, when he says this, he's speaking to the church. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And of all these virtues, put on love, which binds him together in perfect unity. He says, Paul is not writing to unsaved people here. He's writing to the church at Colossae. And he's giving them this guidance, these words of advice from God himself. As you, as the church, this is, to what you're, this is what you're to wear. This is how you are to dress. This is how you are to deal with each other. Because now you'll not do this if it's just two people. But you will do this if it's three of you, which is you, me and God. And so he writes these words and he says, this is how you deal with each other. Because there are times that things do break. There are times when relationships fail. There are times when things happen. There are times that we say stupid things or the wrong things and I'm guilty of it as much as everybody else, if not more sometimes. He says, this baptism tank is an example of public mistakes. There was somebody on Thursday night who had only been in the church for three months who, had, uh, who was getting baptised. And when we brought them in to show the tank, the first thing they said was not, is that a nice tank? Not, that's lovely. They said, Matt, didn't you flood the church once? I mean, they'd only been in the church <laughs> for three months. And it's like it haunts you forever that you flooded the church. And I, I didn't flood the church. The carpet needed washed. And so we thought, <laughs> we killed two birds and one. And, and often we bring all that in. We, we, we bring all that in together. You see, and it tells us some of the things, three quick things that, that we need to do. The, the first one is this, it tells us what we have to wear. So important, isn't it, the clothes that we wear. He says, for people, they can spend hours. The women know what I mean. You know, the shops, shopping for clothes. Fellas, it's like an SAS mission, isn't it? We know. In, out, got the size, home. Even better now with the internet, just order it online. He says, but people got, because it matters what people wear. 
And it says here, he tells them what they're to clothe themselves with. Compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. He's talking to the church. He's talking to you and me. So when I look at that, I have to say, well, man, how compassionate am I? I'm not asking you, some of you, that. <laughs> how kind am I? You know, how, how humble am I? How gentle am I? How patient am I? And each of us would look at that and say, well, there, there are things that we short, fall short of there. But it's what Paul says as he writes his letter to the church. And he says, those are the things that you wear. It's not about how relevant we are as a church to bring people in. It's about how compassionate we are to the people that come in, how kind we are. There is enough unkindness out in the world. There, there is enough people who are made to feel miserable and failures and rejects out in the world. They're not feeling it when they come to our church. We're bringing them in and we're applying this principle because the people are coming in broken already. And we believe as those things that we use of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience, which we only have because God has done a work in our life, we administer them to the people that come in to our church. So it matters what we wear. It, it tells us why we have to do it. This is always the toughest one, this is. Whenever you have to forgive somebody, since you can't do it in your own strength, it's impossible, I tell you now, it's impossible. And I think God, in a sense, puts these words in scripture because he knows we could never do it in our own strength. But he puts these verses in that let's be honest, when we don't want to forgive people, we don't like these verses, but we have to read them. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. But God, you don't know what they've done. You don't know how much they've hurt me. You don't know, God, that they, they, they've done this to me. They've said this about me. And you know, God, I don't know. How does God respond? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. He says the table shines a light, doesn't it? On, on our shortcomings. It shines a light on this stuff as we come to the table because we remember what God has done for us in sending his son. And he drops a verse like that in there. Wouldn't it be lovely sometimes? I know it's a bit untheological to cross out the verses that we didn't like in Scripture. But we can't do that. We can't get past that. We've got to forgive as the Lord has forgiven us. I could turn around and say, well, God, what have you forgiven me of? And God just says, well, everything. How do I, oh, dear. He says, well, God, how do I get past this? Well, he just simply says... Forgive as the Lord forgave you. He says we've got to bear with each other. Bear with each other is a funny sort of word because it really means that we've got to put up with people. And we all know people that we put up with. You're thinking of somebody now. <laughs> Anyone has a grievance against someone. He simply gives us the why we have to do it. I don't like it either. As a matter of fact, I can't stand it. Because actually, when I got to go and swallow my pride and be humble, as it says, and go to somebody who I've wronged and say, you know what, I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Even if sometimes inside I'm thinking, I'm not really sorry, but I know it's the right thing to do. Because we do that as well. And I'm sorry. And you know what we do? And God, God does this with us because there was something we must grasp hold of to keep the unity. 
When we make a mistake, we must own our mistakes. We must own them because we're part of a family. And when people make mistakes, we're not booting them out because we don't kick people out of a family when they make mistakes. So we own our mistakes. It's better to go, you know what, I was wrong. I was wrong for what I said, for what I did. Please forgive me. And you see, when we do that, it says we then have to apply the second part of that verse, which is forgive as the Lord forgave you. We have no right to bear grievances as Christians. We simply don't. That's, we don't have any. If you took the, the communion this morning, I'll tell you as direct as I can be, we have no right to bear grievances. He has forgiven us, we must forgive each other. That keeps the unity in church. That's where love is simply expressed the most, in forgiveness. I love all the people who love me. You know, the people I love the most, people who, who give me stuff, and people who buy me dinner, those people I love more than anything. They are like heart-shaped, those people. See the people I find difficult, See the people who put my head away? Because everybody's got them. So just because you're sitting in church, nothing happened at the door to erase those feelings. And we have them, but it's part of the journey that we're on. And you see, when that together breaks, we've got to fix it. When that together's not working, we have to apply those principles that are simply there. Because it tells us what the fruit of our action is. It tells us in the end when Paul says, it says, over all these virtues, he says, put on love. He said it in his letter to the Corinthians anyway, the love is the most important. He says, over all of these, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. I want to show you a picture of binding. Reese, can I borrow you a sec? Scott, can I borrow you two? Always happen to get picked on, don't you? That's for your hot tub joke at the start. Eh? <laughs> Imagine... The three of us. Now, you're not going to fight each other. That's okay, all right? Imagine the three of us. We're, we're the church. It says the three of us are an example of the church. Now, we are sort of together here, aren't we? We're sort of, you know, we're together. We're each bringing our different talents and things to, to the table. I'm the good-looking one and all those different things. They complement each other. But this is together. But Paul tells us to do this. We have to bind ourselves together. Now, this is the picture. If you hold my arm like that, hold my arm now. And if we come in now like this, hold your arms like that. It says, we are now bound together. This is the idea. Now, I dare... <laughs> why, did I, why did I pick him? Why did I pick him? And he said, I dare anybody now, and I don't want you to do it, just do it in your head. I dare anybody to come and try and knock the three of us over. Go ahead. Just raise your hand if you think you can do it. Rab Kenny, put your hand down. <laughs> we are bound together now. So every time we walk, God, this is bound together. There is nothing between the three of us. We are the church together. This is not the church together where we're next to each other. We are bound together. And when we are bound together, we are strengthening each other. We are defending each other. We are supporting each other. So if one of us feels weaks and falls... <laughs> I didn't see that coming. <laughs> the other two... The other two 
hold them up and support them. He says, that's what it means to be bound together in perfect unity. This is not unity, we're just together. I don't want to be just together, I want to be bound together in perfect unity, as Paul writes here. Thank you, fellas, thank you. That's the fruit of our action. That's what keeps us together. It says not just being in the same place, it says actually bound together in perfect unity. My final example this morning as we talk about things being broken, the minutes that I've got left, is simply from the first church in Acts. And uh, if you were here on Tuesday night at the prayer meeting, we had a fantastic night, 50 people from the church gathered praying together. But, but I believe there could be more. I don't believe we can ever judge how well the church is doing by what happens on a Sunday or in the week. I think we've got to judge how well the church is doing by the people that are coming out to pray. So as we come and gather to pray, because that's the lifeblood and that's a foundation for everything else. So when we meet once a month on the first Tuesday night of the month at the encounter prayer meeting, it's for the whole church, it's for everybody. And we come and we gather together to pray together. And the first church in Acts teaches us these things because the word together represented so many things. It symbolised the first church because they didn't have this disunity and we don't want this disunity. So we've got to take the words that we read from scripture because often when we hear people say things to us sometimes, it is their opinion. It is what they think. And so they give the advice to people, oh, this is what I think you should do. Our advice must always come from this. Must always be what scripture tells us. And so in the first church in Acts, that word together represented, symbolised the first church. The quick five points to help us as we look at this this morning to keep us together. So if together breaks, these are the things that we need to do. The first thing is this, to keep the unity, we pray together. Acts 1 verse 14 simply says, they all join together constantly in prayer. This is before the Spirit came at Pentecost, they were there waiting in expectation. Prayer is about us bringing our requests before God. But it's also in expectation of what God is going to do. And you see, we have a spirit, a desire, an expectation in this church that God is going to do more than he's doing at the moment. That there will be more people saved whose lives will be changed and people will be healed and more people will come in through the doors and grow up in church to maturity in discipleship. So we keep praying. We don't want to say we've got what we want, close the doors, we're full. One, because we're not full. Two, there are more people out there that need to hear the message that we have. So we pray together, underlining what it is that God has called us to do. The second thing is this, is we stay together. Acts 2 verse 1, it says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Love this thought about the first church. It represents our church. Church is a wonderful mixture of ages, backgrounds, people from different situations. And we found a way to make it work. That way is God, as simple as that. He, the credit and the honour and the glory goes to him that he has done something in our church. And so with the younger ones and the middle-aged ones and the older ones and some of those that are even older than that, you know who you are. And um, 
that they stay together in one place. It's not about what God is doing in one thing here and one thing there and one thing there or one thing there. It's about what God is doing together. So whenever you see people in the church and God is blessing a particular work in the church, we rejoice because it's all together. It's not just about what one person simply is doing. It's all church. It's all a living hope. And it says there are no churches within a church. In this church, we are one church. And everybody together, as I've shared at the beginning, compliments and supports and encourages, and they're together in one place. And it brings us on to the next thing, which is part of the vision. They built together. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They realised that the only way this would work is that one, they had to be together, but they had to have everything in common. Now, everything for you could mean, well, does that mean they're just, you know... This afternoon, you're sitting in your house, I could just open the front door, come in, sit down and, you know, help myself to your favourite biscuits. I don't think that's what they're saying. What they are saying is this. He says that we keep those things that matter as the things in common, the most important thing, the essentials, the absolute foundational things. Jesus died on the cross. That message gets preached in everything that we do. It says everybody has a part to play. That message gets preached in everything we do. Everybody has a place in the church that gets preached in everything we do. We break bread together every Sunday we meet. There was no compromise in that because we're about exalting Jesus in everything that we do. That's what it means to have everything in common. Not that we all believe the same thing. Not that we all, because there'll be some secondary issues in church that we're not all agree on. There will always be those. But the primary, most important things, those things of salvation is through Christ alone. Those things, the absolute foundational essentials, preached from the pulpit, from the front to everything, are those things that we have in common. There is a few more, a couple more, then they, sorry, they, they worship together. Acts 2 verse 40, every day they continue to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes ate together with glad and sincere hearts. You know what I love about baptism? It's not necessarily dunking people in the water. It's when they stand up here and they share their story and they tell you what life was like before, then they met Jesus and what life is like now. That, that's a bit, that bit is great and I love doing that. But this bit, when they stand here in front of everybody and say why they are doing this tonight. There is a power in that. The worship together, that we rejoice together because they're simply sharing this. And finally, we see the, the final thing, and I've just really mentioned that they rejoice together. On their release, Peter and John went back to their own people, repeated all that the chief priests and the elders had said to them. When they heard this, they raised their voices together in prayer to God. Let's be a church where our unity is not easily broken. Let's take up the responsibility this morning of maintaining and keeping the unity by being responsible for what we are responsible for and the things that we say, the things that we teach and the things that we do. And you see, when we keep that unity, the promise of Scripture is that God pours out his blessing, commands a blessing from God wherever there is 
unity. Let us pray as a team join us on the platform. Father, we come to you today. We know, Lord, as we've looked at your word, the different aspects of being broken. The God, the one thing we don't want is this unity that we've got to be broken. God, we come and each and every one of us take responsibility this morning, Lord, to maintain the unity, to keep the unity, to love each other, to support each other, to encourage each other. And Father, begin with me. And, and Father, those whose hearts this morning are saying, this is what I need to do. Father God, there is a place in this house because it's your house for everybody. Father, there is a place in your kingdom. Father, for those that come into this church who are lost and are broken because, Father, the message of your gospel still changes people's lives. And Father, for that this morning, we say thank you. We say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.